active verse 4 is really our confession really getting ourselves ready because only God can help us really to hear him the Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary he awakens me morning by morning he awakens my ear to hear as the learned the Lord God has opened my ear and I was not rebellious nor did I turn away amen I like that confession he does everything and he said without me you can do nothing and I believe that with all of my heart and I live it he has to do it we're so grateful to God tonight title of the message don't have too much time because we had a great time of worship amen great time of worship uh, title of the message is Shutting the Door Against Sin. I'm thinking about the title, Shutting the Door Against Sin. Well, that's a, how do I put this? Shutting the door to sin? That's wrong. I'll tell you why. We're not wanting to get into sin, do we? We don't want to go there, right? It's sin that is wanting to come to us. That's enticing us. Please open the door. I want to come in. And we think, well, they sound like fun, right? I'll get something out of it. We are enticed. And so we open the door. And the enemy comes in. So what we're talking about is shutting the door against sin. So that it doesn't have the privilege of coming in. Because it, sin has no good intentions. Can I say that again? No good intentions. He's wanting to destroy. The greatest asset that a Christian has is humility. That's our greatest asset. Humility. Because the scripture says... God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. So humility is the greatest asset that we have. If we can humble ourselves before God, He lifts us up every time. The greatest pain for mankind is sin. Sin causes us so much pain. We have to realize that. So what we need to do is understand the nature of sin. Preaching against not doing something, that's okay. But we need to understand the nature of sin. And what sin is and what sin wants to do to us. And what God offers. Because usually we sin, God offers first. And sin tells you absolutely no, I have something better. That's the nature I have something better. I know better. I can tell you, you can go this way and you feel this way. That's the way it was from the beginning. And that's the way it still is today. Telling you, offering you something, something sugar-coated, but after the sugar is gone, it gets really bitter. Hello? That's the nature of sin. But see, God offers us this. I'm probably end with this scripture today because that's what God was really dealing with me, with me about. That's in Deuteronomy chapter 30. 
verse 19 in 20. God speaking. He says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you. That's God speaking. God's calling both heaven and earth. Notice, whatever we allow on earth is allowed in heaven. Now, God's saying, I'm going to do something. It's not going to be your choice. And I'm asking both the heavens and the earth to be witnesses of what's going to be happening. Now, this has been done. It's still being done. It's still with us today because in the mind of God is eternal. God doesn't change. It's still the same. And you still have that position today with God. He says, I want heaven. I'm calling heaven. And notice when God calls heaven, heaven answers. The earth, the earth answers. To be witness against you that I have searched before you. So right now, God is said before us, life and death. Blessing and cursing. But then God says, therefore... Because of all I've told you, because you now know you have an option. You now know you have an option. You have life and death, and you have blessing and cursing. You can choose. You can choose. It's really up to you, not up to God. It's really up to you. He says, therefore, because I've done this, and heaven is a witness, the earth is a witness, because I've done this, therefore, choose life. Your choice should be life. It's really up to me what I want. You can choose. God will not tell you you can't. You can choose if you can't choose. So whatever I choose is what comes to me. What I reject cannot come to me. Why? Because the heaven and the earth, they are bearing witness. And the heaven and the earth will not allow something that I didn't choose to come to me. It's what I choose. It's what I choose. But God in his wisdom and because of his love, he's telling us, I advise you to choose life. Choose life. And then we go with the thus coming up after that. Choose life that both you and your descendants may live. So if I'm not living, I have chosen death. It's not God's fault. It's really up to us. He says, so that you and your descendants may live. That means if you choose death, you and your descendants may not live. So we have the choice. And I can say, God, after reading God's word, the best thing to do is to act on it. God, I have chosen life. Can I hear an amen? Let him hear it. Let the earth hear it. And let the heavens hear it. God, I hear you. Amen? God, I hear you. And God, I'm saying to you right now, let the heaven that you called, and let the earth that you called, hear it. I choose life. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Don't just keep it in your heart. God spoke, so you know what God said. Let God, let the heaven and let the earth know what your decision is. I choose life. And I'm not choosing death. So that I can live. And my descendants after me 
may live also according to the scriptures. Then another that, that, that you may, what? Love the Lord your God. When you choose life, you just made God your personal God. He is the God of the whole world. However, when you choose life and you speak it out, God becomes your God. And then, because of that, you have the ability to love Him. Why? Because you chose life. Do you know who life is? Jesus. That's the life. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. Remember that? John chapter 1. You chose life. And if you choose life, you love God. You chose Jesus. And if you choose Jesus, you will love God. God said, choose life that you may love the Lord your God. It's not your ability. It's your choice. When you choose life, you begin to love God. If you don't love God, you have chosen death. We try to make scriptures and the ways of God so complicated, it's hard for people to know what to do. It's a doing thing, amen? Faith without works is dead. And sometimes the only work you can do is speak back what God said, telling him you believe. And you, when you speak it, it is established in heaven. That means it's already there, recorded. This is what he said. This is your decision before God. Remember what the scripture says? Everything that you commit to God, He is able to keep until that day. So when you commit your words to God, because your words, life, life and death, when you give your words to God, it's recorded in heaven. You're giving it to God. God's able to keep it for you until that day. Don't you hear that? Whatever you're committing to him. So it's important that you may love God. And that you may listen or heed to his voice. That's the next thing. When you love God, you obey him. And I hear an amen. Yes, when you love God, you listen to his voice. That you may obey his voice. So when you choose life, automatically the power of obedience comes with life. Can I hear an amen? This is how you can resist sin. When you choose life and you choose Jesus, the power to obey his voice is there. To obey his voice meaning you can recognize his voice. See? My sheep hear my voice. And because you can hear his voice, you, that hearing comes with the power to listen and to obey. That's what he's saying. God is not saying that you may. He says you will do it. Read it. That you may obey his voice. Why? You love him. You've chosen life. Sin cannot take that from you. Remember the scripture? Who, what can separate us from the 
love of God. Nothing. Nothing. That you may obey His voice. The next thing is so good. That you may cling to Him. See that? When you choose life, you cling to Him. You know why we're clinging? We can't make it on our own. Amen? You seen a clinging child? You can't shake them off, right? They just follow you everywhere. You're trying to get up. They just say, you ain't going nowhere. They hang on to you. That's the way. That's what God wants us to do. Cling to Him constantly. Everywhere He goes, nobody can separate. When you choose life, you cling. So, you know, I used to read, I read in uh, John, and John, the disciple, says, you know, he leans on Jesus' bosom. And I feel kind of jealous. <laughs> I like to take his place, okay? <laughs> it's me back there. I wish I could take his place. But he was so close. Amen? And if you read in First John, it says, Our eyes have seen him. We handled him with our own hands. If you read, I mean, it's a big, huge thing. It says that which was from the beginning. Our eyes have seen him. We handle him with our own hands. That word of life. That's what we want. We cling when we we have accepted. Well, when we choose life and we choose Jesus. The power to stay close to Him. The power not to be separated from His love is given to us. And we must we have to declare it. Amen. God says, therefore, choose. Well, what have you chosen? Does God know what you have chosen? You got to choose. Choose life so that you can cling to the master. That means every time the devil comes to you, the master is right there. If he has evil intentions and he comes to you, as soon as he arrives, he says, uh oh, he's with his master. He's clinging. Because he can really not do much to you as long as you're hanging on to Jesus. There's no way he can, he can hurt you. And God doesn't sleep. He doesn't need to blink. He sees everything. And that gives us comfort. That God loves us this much. We're not going anywhere. See, I've read in the scripture, Jesus says, those that the Father has given to me, no one can pluck them out of my hands. No one. Because the Father who gave them to me, He is greater than all. There's nobody. And greater is He who is in us than He who is in the world. The troublemaker. The troublemaker. That's the one that's in the world. We have found Him. We have found Jesus. Amen? That's the exciting thing. I can read in John chapter 1. Andrew going to Peter. Hey, Peter, we found him. No, you're wrong. He found you. <laughs> but they were excited about it. We have found him. The one that Moses and all the prophets, all of them wrote about. We found him. That was an exciting thing. It's still an exciting thing today. I found the one that created every cell in my body. 
that God. I found him. He is with me. He is with me. His love is so deep for us. I don't know. For me, these days I meditate on how close Jesus was with his disciples. You know? They argue. It's like he doesn't, he's not hearing what they are saying and fighting about who is going to be the greatest. He knew, what, but he never bothered with them. Children, right? And then when the fight is too loud, he says, okay, let me show you something. And he teaches them. They ask questions. And he explains everything to them. They are impatient, but he is very patient. They want to have the answer all at once. He says, well, there are so many things I want to tell you, but you can't handle them now. A time is going to come when I'll let you know all things. But even so, before he went to the cross, they declared to him, now you don't have to tell us. We understand everything now. They, they were not telling the truth. But, but that's the way they felt. They felt he told them everything. But that's the Jesus that we serve. And he loves us dearly. God will never forget anyone who's carrying his name. His name. He'll never forget you. That scripture, remember the scripture? He'll be with you in trouble, but he will also deliver you. Psalm 91, just read it. <laughs> in trouble, he's there with you. Experiencing the pain with you. But he doesn't stop there. He says he'll deliver you. He will honor you. Can you imagine God honoring you? I like to see that. It's wonderful. But that's the God that we serve. A great and mighty God. He says, you cling to him. Why? Because he is your life. He is your life. God is your life. And length of days. You know what that means? Length of days? The way I see it? Sickness doesn't have the power to take me out. Hello. I got length of, length of days. I chose life. I don't have to die young. I don't have to die in an accident. I got length of days. And in, in Psalm 91, goes back to that scripture, he will satisfy you with what? Long life. Until I'm satisfied with life and it's long enough for me, nobody can take me out. Nobody. That's scripture. That's not me. It's God's promises. God's promise. With long life, I will satisfy you. And he says, if you cling to him, you will have what? length of days and God's not playing with words he meant every word that means nothing can take you out no robber can come in with a gun and end my life just like that unceremoniously no way it can happen I'm not ready to go home yet I got some work to do I really tell the robber you're making a mistake you might destroy yourself trying to kill me it's not going to happen that's the word of God God is. Otherwise, this is all a joke. We go to church, 
with, and worship a God that can help when you are in trouble? That doesn't make sense. He, ha- he is all powerful. And then and I told myself, I've said this here before, I, I, I don't see Jesus. <laughs> don't you carry Jesus? Is he inside of you? I mean, I know that's happened, but everybody has their own experience. Be it unto you according to your faith, right? Would you ever imagine Jesus, oh, uh, there's an ambulance coming. Uh, Jesus just had an accident, and he's on the way. We need to go resuscitate. He's, will that ever happen? But he took his life because of the word, right? So I tell myself, that's not the way I want to go home. Amen? That's not the way I want to go. And you know, Bible says, commit your ways to the God, to our God. He'll direct your path, right? I don't want that. I really don't want that. And the Bible says, the desires of a righteous man shall what? Be granted. And I am righteous in him. Amen? I don't care what you think, I'm kidding. <laughs> But I'm righteous. He made me righteous, right? I'm righteous before him because of the blood over my life. And the desires of the righteous man shall what? Be granted. Don't think too little of yourself because he thinks mighty of you. Amen? And you are righteous because of him. And you can have desire that he keeps because he is God. He is faithful to his promise. He is very faithful to his promise. I can, you can read First Kings eight fifty six. Not one word has failed of all the promises that he made through his servant Moses. That's Old Testament. New Testament, God can do more because we have a greater high priest. Promises are greater. That's the God we serve. It's unto you according to your faith. I remember I shared this story before. I don't believe in, and I heard some ministers say that back home, and I thought, you lost your mind. You're not God. How can you determine how you go? This doesn't make sense. Then I understood what he was saying. And I declared, if I'm in a plane, the Lord is with me in the plane. If the plane wants to crash, uh, let me come down first, and you can go crash wherever you want to crash, but not with me inside because I still have my assignment. God's not through with me yet. Amen? It happened to Paul in the sea, right? God wasn't through with him yet. You can't take his life. And that was funny. And then I got in the plane and I was sitting by the window and I looked out to the wings and I saw some uh, uh, kind of rubber flying just like that. Just doing that. And I said... Is that supposed to be? This plane is compromised. In the wind and that rubber. And I'm thinking, what if that rubber breaks and gets in the engine? And boy, I had all kinds of imaginations in my head. And then I started, I closed my eyes. I'm not looking back at that window. And I was praying. Yes, God said, not time for me. You're going to land. Whether you flap or not, you're coming down. He's faithful to his word. He can meet all of our needs. He is our life. 
He is truly our life. And He is the length of days for us. That's what that scripture says. It's, it's so important that we see the scriptures. Go and go too fast, but study the scriptures. He says that you may dwell in the land that God has promised you. Promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the Bible says, and you are Isaac. We are Isaac. You're Jacob. That's what the scripture says. I am Jacob, child of promise. Isaac, child of promise. And so we live in that land. That land was a physical land. But God's still with us today. No matter where you are, God's still able to perform what he performed with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in their land. He's still the same God. And God can protect us against the enemies. The enemy of our soul. Sin is deadly. Um, you can go back to the very beginning. He promises a lot and distracts you from the truth, what God has said. And it's not a fight against sin that we're talking about. That's important. But the nature of sin, how sin comes, telling you and promising you things. He said to the woman in the garden, after God has said to the woman and the man, if you eat of that tree, you will surely die. Notice, God said, you will surely die. But Satan says, no, you will not surely die. But if you eat of that tree, you will be just like God. So God's depriving you from some kind of pleasure. You want to be equal with God. That's Satan's sin, see? Get you to be with God. Instead of walking alongside with God, now he makes you think. But then he looked at her, she said, the scripture says, it said, she looked at the fruit, it was something that was good, it looked like something to eat. That's crazy. That's what the enemy does. There's a lot of stuff to eat in the garden. That was not the only thing there. There was the tree of life. They could eat from that. But it seems like what God doesn't want you, where God doesn't want you to go, and for your protection, that's where Satan wants you to go. And he's promising you all kinds of stuff that this is going to be good for you. And so we're blinded. We're enticed to go into that. That's always the nature of sin. Enticing you, promising you some kind of pleasure that this will be good for you. Just try it. But it doesn't tell you the outcome of it. What will happen. You can imagine, you know, think about it. Just one disobedience. Just one disobedience. I mean, what's the big deal with eating a fruit? The major problem is God said not to do it. And the way I see it, that was God's type. God said you can eat everything in the garden, including the tree of life, and live forever. But that's mine. Amen. Just like the type. That's for me. Don't touch it. Did God eat from that fruit? No. Same thing with the type. We use it for work. 
But they touched it. And just one act changed everything. Look, it changed their nature. Just one act changed their entire nature. That's how deadly sin is. We have to understand the nature of sin. It changed everything. It changed everything. I mean, it changed the world. Everything was cursed. Everything changed completely. And we are still dealing with one act till today. We are still dealing with one act till today. Before that time, there was no rain. No hurricane. Or tornadoes. Nothing like that. One act changed everything. The earth was cursed. The ground was cursed. The woman was cursed. The man was cursed. Everything changed. God still loved them. They were covering themselves with leaves. God covered them with skins and coated them, but then drove them out. Just one act. All coming through enticements. You can enjoy this. And one little enjoyment changed everything. And sin always wants to come in. You have to shut the door against it. If you open up, maybe for a while, and you discover this is not going well, give him quick notice. Serve him quick notice. I don't want you here anymore. This is going to end, and Jesus will be with you. Now, let me share this scripture with you. This is about Cain. Right after this happened, about Cain... God was warning Cain against talking about sin, looking around, and Paul tells us sin is ever present with us. He's always looking around and wanting to come in. And he's don't let it come in. This is what God said about Cain uh, to Cain. The scripture tells us this Genesis 4, verse 6 and 7. So the Lord said to Cain, because Cain's offering was not received. I mean, I don't know why it became so bad. Apparently, he knew what to do. He knew the right thing to do. He chose to compromise what God asked for. And God did not receive him. And he was mad. The funny thing, he wasn't mad at himself. He was mad at his brother. They did right. I don't understand that. And that's still happening in the church today. People get mad. And they, they get bitter. And that's what we must want. It seems like you are enjoying something that is killing you. you. You are, especially with bitterness and anger and all of that stuff, is inside, is eating you up. And you think you're hurting the other person, you're killing yourself. But Satan doesn't want you to see that. He wants you to think that you, I'm accomplishing something. I'm not going to talk to this person. You're killing yourself. I'm not going to greet them anymore. You're hurting yourself, mother, and you're hurting them. That's what Ab uh, Cain was angry with his brother. He had done nothing wrong. And this is what God said, and this is insightful. We need to understand something here. God speaking to him, he says, The Lord said to Cain, I mean, he rejected his offering and he was still speaking to him. That's God. He is love. Amen. Why are you angry, God said? And why has your countenance fallen? Why are you so angry and depressed? 
if you were, it says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? You, you know you didn't do right. That's why you were rejected. There was no other reason. You just didn't do what was right. <coughs> if you did what was right, you would have been accepted. It's not your brother's fault. It's, it was your fault. But now you're angry. And if you do not do well, listen, sin lies at the door. Do you see that? He's waiting for you. He's waiting to come in. At this time, God was speaking to him. Most likely, he wasn't thinking about killing his brother Abel. But he won't listen to God. Guess what? Sin came in, and he did what he had to do to kill his brother. That's my point. Shutting the door against sin. It's always all around us all the time. Wanting to have an access. But the thing is to destroy your life. When it's over, he's going to destroy you just like he did with Adam and Eve. Everything changes until we go back to God and ask God for forgiveness and for mercy. And, and, and the good thing for us in the New Testament, the Bible tells us if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and what? And to cleanse us from all of it. You're free. As if it didn't happen. That's because of love. Jesus, what he's done for us. We have the privilege of closing the door. Because when he says he cleanses you from all of your sins, it's as if it never happened. You're restored back to where you were. The door is shut. Sin is on the other side. Satan is on the other side. And you are with your God. Clinging to him. Amen? Like nothing ever happened. That's the love of God. That's the love of God. We must never think it's over when Satan is taking advantage of us and we are falling because he is able to lift us up back, back up. He's able to do that. All we need to do is, Father, just like the prodigal son, come back home. We turn our lives back to him and we tell him, you know, I'm sorry, I don't this. He won't even listen. Like if you read the prodigal son, you're talking, he's, he's putting a new robe on you. He's not listening to that stuff. He's like, oh, I'm so glad to see you. You're back home. Okay, let's, let's have fun. Let's have fun. Uh, put a new ring there. It's gold ring. Making you back. The king and the prince. Or the princess that God has made you. As if it never happened. But God will not shut the door against it for you you will have to do that you will have to make that decision it's, choo it's called choosing life I choose life stand up with me tonight I choose life I'm on the side of life I'm on the side of Jesus and he'll take care of me he'll never forget, forget you Remember what Jesus said? I have engraven you, the Bible tells us in Isaiah, on the palm of my hand. Amen? God remembers you always. Jesus said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Because of, you're so priceless. He took the blood of the Son of God for the Father to get you back. You are not going anywhere. Amen? You are not going anywhere.
you are that precious. Let's lift our hands up to him tonight. And let's thank, tell him how thankful we are that we are a part of the family of the living God. You are. You are. I don't care what the world says about you. And I don't care what you say about yourself. God loves you. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. It's a witness that the heaven and the earth, they know. The heaven and the earth, they know that you are loved, dearly loved by God. Father, we give you praise tonight. The word says the entrance into God's word gives light. And that's the light of life. So we have life in abundance. Bless your people tonight. Lord, let their dreams be sweet. Let your presence always be there. And your angels encamped around them for protection. Thank you, Lord. We choose life. We have chosen Jesus. And we cling to you. Because you are our life. You are our length of day. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. God bless you.